and sell clams, bootleg clam chowder at the harbor to all kinds of people. Scalp Bruins tickets, right? Listen to fucking Lincoln Park, lift some weights, you know? Call your mother names, then apologize, buy her some stolen jewelry. That's the way it is when you're working on the streets out here or fucking Southie. When you're a fucking criminal, when you're fucking an agent, a state trooper, a Massachusetts state trooper who goes undercover and tries to arrest the guy from one flew over the cuckoo's nest, but he has a guy who's pretending to be a policeman who is in fact a policeman, but is actually also has due loyalties to the mafia and is also a policeman and has freckles and has a hot girlfriend who's a therapist, but you also think his girlfriend is really cool and you value her as a human being and so you're like hey do you want to hang out get a coffee even though maybe during our initial meeting i was verbose and vulgar and then you realize your life is just the departed your life you're the departed you're living in the departed martin sheen wears a nice handsome uh, sort of olive you know forest green windbreaker and he gets thrown out of a window because your life is a 2006 Irish mob crime thriller that a party. Hey, how are you? Hello. Come on in. Have a seat. Oh, take off your shoes. Hey, how are you? Hey, bud. What's going on? Hey, you want a coffee, Chris, huh? How you doing? Welcome back, everyone, ladies, gentlemen. Welcome back to 805 and Revolt, Ojai's favorite podcast. Five years in a row now, we've received that award. It's been an honor. We're trying to keep the streak alive. So here we are. Now, if you pieced it together from the intro... Today's episode is going to revolve around Martin Scorsese's 2006 Mafia masterpiece, The Departed. One of my absolute favorite films, a film that's consistently been a part of my life. I've watched it an incalculable number of times. Great. Just just such a movie. And I think today we're going to really dive into the way that this film perfectly captures the cultural moment in which it was made, the post-9-11 paranoia and hysteria of the Bush administration, the rise of the surveillance state, and the crisis of American identity following uh, what was a unprecedented moment in our, in our sort of uh, history, 9-11, and the fallout from it, the war on terror, the waste, the destruction, the senseless kind of hatred and anger and sociopathic, the rise of sociopathic ghouls uh, to the status of, you know, eminent. Anyways, hey folks, 805 Revolt Podcasts, Sam Bean, you already heard that. I got my leg up, I got an ice pack on it, and joining with me today, I have absolutely nobody folks i'm alone i'm all by myself i'm acon lonely i'm sitting in my living room i'm in my underwear and i just don't care and i'm really happy to be here i'm happy i'm so joyous i'm exuding joy i'm pure positivity that's what people say about me they're like that's sam bean character i saw him at salmar few days ago he got it just just came out of the water and i was like that guy is so positive he's relentless he tried to sell me spirulina powder he asked if he could jerk me off and he told me he was going to kill himself in an ihop bathroom in scottsdale arizona okay he's a positive guy he's a go-getter he's the sigma male i have people messaging me from all over the world how how do you how are you such a sigma male and we'll get to that later. But we are going to talk about The Departed. I am by myself. It is 12.40 a.m. on Wednesday. Let me check the date. June 23rd. I am drunk. I am high. For those of you who don't know me personally, I was Sammy Sobriety for about six years. 
but since the end of April, I have been drinking and smoking weed, which is legal. Can you believe it? Weed is legal. Oh, my God. Weed is legal. Oh, my God. I go into the dispensary. There's a bunch of Republicans wearing dry fit Nike polo shirts. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe this? That's right, folks. I have I've fallen off the wagon. I've been left behind. I'm dying of dysentery in the Rockies. The Donner Party took a look at me. They're like, we're not even going to eat that guy. He's weird. His body is shaped weird. His legs are too long. His arms are too short. He has like, his skin is kind of, eh, just, we're not going to eat that guy. So now I'm just shitting my brains out into the Colorado River, just, just praying for death. And as I do that, as I've fallen off my wagon, my Western, as my Western metaphor unravels before your very ears. Just know I'm a cool guy who drinks beers, right? I'm intentional, okay? I'm a cool guy who drinks beers again. I have sand in my truck all over my truck, okay? Am I a California guy? Am I a cool, laid-back, West Coast kind of a guy? Am I the kind of guy you want to hang out with, right? You want to go with me and hang out at Magoo Rock and talk about uh, waves, Am I the type of guy you want to invite to your daughter's bat mitzvah? Have me hang out? Have me drink some punch? Make some jokes? Mingle? You want me to mingle? Okay, I'll mingle. Because I'm a cool guy. This is a cool guy show. Mm. And I used to be a binge drinker. And I was like, wow, I used to be really cool. Homecoming court. Sports star. Cool guy. But recently, it's like, what the fuck, Sam? Be a cool guy again. So now I'm a cool guy again. I'm a cool guy who drinks a little sippy sip. And we're going to talk about 2006, The Deposit, a movie that, um, man, what can I say about this movie? This is, I think, one of Scorsese's best. Obviously, that's like saying this is, you know, Michael Jordan's best season. They were all good. There's not a bad Scorsese movie. There's some I haven't seen, but I'm so... I, there's no way they're bad. They might not be as good as The Departed or Casino or Goodfellas. <clears throat> Excuse me. But they're not bad. They can't be bad. Martin Scorsese is the one... He's, I mean, he's the man. He's the guy. He's the dude. He's a movie-making dude. So The Departed came out in 2006. And I remember when this movie came out. It was a big deal for me because it was a weekend, much like any other, except my mother was out of town. She was down in Anaheim. She was at what they called Congress, which is a big gathering of Catholics from the uh, different archdioceses of Southern California, Santa Barbara, Ventura, L.A., Orange County. They all get together in Anaheim once a year. And my mom, who was a, uh, she taught Sunday school as well as she was a Eucharistic minister. She, she uh, administered the rite of communion to the sick and the elderly, the people who couldn't physically attend mass. So she would go to these and do like workshops and hear, hear different speakers. They had like music and it was like a whole fun thing for her. She always came back really energetic and it was awesome. It was a cool thing. And so... Sorry if you hear a little wobble. Desk I have this on is moving. Russell's gone. I'm doing this solo, so if there's some sound difficulties. Anyhow, my mom was down in Anaheim. Now, I was in the fifth grade, and The Departed had just come out on DV fucking D. And my father, yeah, my fucking father. It's a thing with guys from Boston. They talk about my father. Your father made clam chowder. My father managed Dunkin' Donuts and was a closeted gay man. I think my father's a little tougher than your father. Well, my father drove a Zamboni and was an alcoholic and worked security for Motley Crue. So I think my father's, well, I think my father, who had hands that were the size of baseball mitts, and he jerked off six times a day is a little tougher than your father. Well, I think my father, my father, my father, who was a fucking 
Boston Red Sox water boy. Now, they wanted to call him an equipment manager, but he said, I'm a fucking water boy and it's my honor to be a water boy. I think he's tougher than all your fucking fathers. Right? That's the thing with Boston guys, is their father. And it's awesome. Who doesn't love dads? We just had Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Father Time, Father Christmas, for Santa Claus in, in the United Kingdom. Um, you know, Happy Father's Day. I have a very weird relationship with my dad. It's It would be called bad, but I don't care. I don't give a shit. It's Father's Day. Go play golf with your dad. Buy him a tie he's never going to wear. You know, I saw some stuff on the social media, and we will talk about The Departed. Don't worry, that's coming. But I saw some stuff on the social media where people were like, oh, yeah, dude, for this Father's Day, let's center the voices of people who have bad relationships with their father figures. Like, no, don't center my voice. Today isn't, today isn't about me. It's about people who love their dads, who have a great relationship with their dad, and who are happy. That's a, it's a fucking... What are you talking about? Center my voice. Don't get away from me. Okay? I'm going to watch fucking Euro Cup soccer, drink some Folgers, and have a fucking panic attack. I have my day planned out. I don't want... My voice doesn't need to be centered. But anyways, fathers. Very important. And Martin Scorsese is one of the godfathers of modern American cinema. Now, he didn't direct The Godfather. He directed... Goodfellas, which is a better pound-for-pound, much superior mafia film. And then he went on to direct The Departed. Now, folks, if you haven't seen this movie, it's on Netflix. Go watch it. If you want to pause this recording after and then come back after you've watched it, or if you don't give a fuck and you just want to listen, I appreciate you, especially if you're listening, you're my friend, and I love you. So Martin Scorsese, great guy, great filmmaker, one of the greats, all right? Greatness is just flows out of this dude. This dude wakes up and drinks Mountain Dew Code Red and smokes cigarettes and just like, yo, I got model bitches. I'm on a speedboat. That's Martin Scorsese's life, okay? The Departed, 2006, wins Best Picture. What's it all about? Without doing the third grade uh, book report plot summary that I did on the Zack Snyder Justice League episode, which I'm sorry for, it's about organized crime in Boston. It's about a man named Frank Costello, played to perfection by Jack Nicholson, America's probably greatest living actor. And this, I think, is, is my favorite performance he's ever delivered. I love The One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I liked The Last Detail and Witches of Eastwick. If you've never seen Witches of Eastwick, go watch that movie. But watch The Departed first, okay? And, but as Frank Costello, Francis Costello, Jack Nicholson brings a level of malevolence and anger and hatred. And it's such, it's the most American performance. I mean, it's so beautiful. And he's so snarling and psycho. And the character is the sort of uh, the kingpin figure of the Boston, South Boston underworld, right? And it's based largely on Whitey Bulger, one of America's most infamous Irish-American gangsters. Probably the most infamous. I think Billy the Kid was Irish, but of the 20th century, it's got to be Whitey Bulger. This is a guy who, you know, the mob isn't known for being nice. But even amongst the mob, he was people were terrified of this guy. I mean, a pure sociopath. And at the time of this movie's release in 2006, the middle of the Bush years... Whitey Bulger was still alive. Uh, he's dead now. He died in 2018. He was killed in a federal prison in Oklahoma. He was beaten to death with padlocks, and his eyes were gouged out. But when this movie came out, he was still alive, and he was still at large. He was living in hiding in Santa Monica, right here in sunny Southern California, hanging out, you know? Mm. Hanging out, roller skating. Right, drinking beers with cool guys like me, talking about waves, going to bat mitzvahs and dancing. No, he was probably just doing weird criminal shit. But 
this is a loose, a loose, you know, adaptation of Whitey Bulger. Uh, and Jack Nicholson adds plenty of his own Nicholsonian uh, magnetism and sexuality to the character, and he does it with such swag. I mean, the guy is Jack Nicholson. This guy is next fucking level. So he's Francis Costello. And he's sort of the central point of gravity that the other characters orbit around. They're all moons around his... He, he's Jupiter, right? He crowns the film. And the boss, the Massachusetts State Police, send Leonardo DiCaprio, who's a young man. They pick him fresh out of state trooper training. He's, his, his uncle was in the mob. He's kind of a conflicted young man. He's kind of like... It's hinted at that he's a boy genius, which, you know, Boston has a lot of boy geniuses, apparently. It's like the home of boy geniuses, right? Will Hunting. So they pick DiCaprio, whose name is William Costigan, right? And they're like, you're going to go fucking undercover. Martin Sheen heads up this special intelligence unit. Love Martin Sheen. Great actor. Goes to mass with my grandmother. All around. Catholic king. Love this guy. So he hand-selects... DiCaprio out of training and it's like you're going undercover because of your mob ties we're going to send you to prison for a while it'll look legit like this is a the mission of a lifetime DiCaprio accepts and yeah he goes undercover and all the while Frank Costello Jack Nicholson has his own undercover agent in the Massachusetts State Police played by Matt Damon Colin Sullivan who I mean that's a fucking Irish name played by Will Hunting himself who was like sort of Jack Nicholson groomed him and not like Drake grooming, but like he, you know, he took this kid under his wing when he was young and, you know, he's, he grew up in the neighborhood. So he fucking is part of the thing. And now he's a state trooper, but he's reporting back to Jack Nicholson. And the entire movie centers around this idea of uh, DiCaprio and Damon being mere images of each other, right? They're both informants. They're both lying to everyone around them. And the whole thing is about who's the rat, right? Because Damon is looking for, he's trying to uncover who the rat in Costello's ranks is because Jack Nicholson gets wise. He's like, one of my guys is a snitch. But DiCaprio is trying to figure out who the rat in the state police is. And so they're like chasing each other around and around like on a hamster wheel, a rat wheel. And it's later revealed in the film that Jack Nicholson himself, Frank Costello, is an FBI informant. So everybody's a snitch. And this is why I think it's the perfect post 9-11 film. Because everyone's informing on everyone. Everyone's paranoid. Everyone's losing their fucking minds. Everyone's jumping to insane conclusions. Everyone's constantly looking over their shoulder, trigger happy, quick to kill. This is America post 9-11. This is America now. And there's a line in the movie where when Jack Nicholson, towards the end, his character is constantly like having manic fits, descending into like further madness and sociopath, you know, just like going nuts. And there's a part at the end where he goes, he's like, who's the fucking rat? And his driver, his bodyguard, his right-hand man, uh... Mr. French played the, also played The Perfection by Ray Winstone, one of my favorite actors. He says, it's a nation of fucking rats. Which I think perfectly sums up where we are and where we have been since the towers came down. Is that was such a moment that pierced our psyche. And how could it not, right? How could that unabashed horror of thousands of people burning alive and flicking themselves out of the towers, how could that not leave such a scar on who we are as people, on, on how we go about our lives, that unprecedented, just the sheer, the mass murder of thousands. And it was, you know, that our trauma, the collective trauma of the American people was the perfect sort of thing for the Bush administration to launch its own, the, you know, to take law enforcement and, you know, nationalize everything, create a, a vast net of surveillance, to obviously launch the war in Afghanistan and its sister war, the war in Iraq. And just like a fucking... That was it, man. I was in elementary school when all that shit was happening. And it was scary, man. I was like, if you see something, say something. I remember the Halloween after 9-11. I was like fucking five years old. Yeah, I was five years old. And I was like pumped up. I was like, I'm going to go trick-or-treating. 
You know, I'd, I'd only gone like one year before. I was like, you can't go. There's anthrax in the candy. Because there's the anthrax scare where a bunch of politicians had envelopes of anthrax sent to them. Probably by the CIA, if we're being honest. If we're being totally honest with our fucking selves here. If I would tell you about something about my father who worked at Family Park, he told me the fucking CIA was sending out chemicals to fucking politicians. And, yeah, I don't know. This movie is... The, it's one of those things where Scorsese, every level of the film is perfect. The music. You have the, one of the best soundtracks. The original score, but then the, the songs they use. They, there's a, uh, the only really like love scene, sex scene in the movie is DiCaprio and his fucking parole-mandated uh, parole therapist. But obviously he was in jail at the behest of the fucking police. It was all, it's all a setup, right, to make him look legit. And this shrink he's seeing, um, he has, you know, sex with her because he's Leonardo DiCaprio and fucking whatever. And uh, Comfortably Numb, the Pink Floyd song comes on, but it's a Van Morrison covering it. And it's like just, there's like rain pouring down outside. It's such a, I mean, I don't normally go for love scenes, but it's played so well and so subtle. And the way these two characters are like dancing with each other. And I just recently rewatched this movie. And it, like I said, it's on Netflix now. And it's like, dude, I, you know, when it came out when I was in the fifth grade on DVD, my mother, circle back, my mom was down in Anaheim at Congress. My dad rents this movie from Blockbuster, right? He's like, hey, you can't watch this. It's rated R. You're in fifth grade. Go fuck yourself. Go in your room. Go read a book. I went in my brother's room and I played Titan Quest on computer. My brother was in high school, so I think he was like doing cool high school guy stuff. So I played Titan Quest, which is like a lame video game, but whatever, you know. But I could hear The Departed in the other room. And it sounded so fucking cool. The accents, the gunfire, the music, man. And I... The next day, my dad was like doing one of his weird things, like in fucking Oxnard or whatever. So I, you know, the DVD was still there. I put it in the DVD player, and my mind was just fucking, oh, like, man, it was such a fucking film. And as a fifth grader who didn't really watch our movies, I was like, holy shit, some of the language I didn't understand. Like, it was like, it's like a three-hour movie. It's a serious investment of your time, but it's worth it. You get a huge ROI, which is return on investment. I, yes, I'm a millionaire. I am a, I am legitimately a millionaire. But I remember just like, it was just, it was so fucking visceral. Like the tension, the suspense, the anger of some of these characters. Nicholson in particular, like, I mean, within the first 10 minutes of the film, 10 seconds, he's like going on this racist tirade. Like he is such an archetype of, I knew all these characters, even without, I didn't grow up in the South Boston Mafia, but I saw them and I was like, yeah, this is, these are guys I know. And Martin Sheen's character, Captain Quainan, who's like the one honest man in the movie, he's like the, the sort of archetype of the pure policeman who's like, you know, he's got a family, a wife and a son at Notre Dame who's studying law and like. There's a scene where you see the inside of his house and he's all this like Catholic art. That's like the same shit my grandma has on her walls. And he's like this devout dude. And he actually goes to church. Martin Sheen, the actor in real life, goes to church with my grandma at Our Lady of Malibu. Okay. Um, so it was crazy for me to see like that character. And he's like perfectly wears like the right clothes, like this windbreaker, this like kind of nerdy, like Catholic dad vibe. But he's this hardcore cop who's the he's DiCaprio's handler. And he dies. He gets thrown out of a fucking window. And to spoiler alert. And to me, it was like, oh, that's the I when I rewatched it, I'm like, that's the metaphor of like tradition and the old school way being thrown out the window and disregarded by the next generation. Like they don't give a fuck about rules, about honor, about anything. They toss this guy off a fucking building. Defenestrate him, I think is the word. But watching it for the first time, I was like, I know that guy. Like, I know that type of, like, Catholic dad, like, dude. Like, I go to church with those type of guys. Like, quite literally, 
I've celebrated mass with Martin Sheen. Like this looks like him. Like this is, it's such a real fucking movie. And the, the, the best person in this film, Damon De Niro, or I'm sorry, Damon DiCaprio, Nicholson, they're all the time greats. They hit it out of the park. They get tens. But the dude who goes above and beyond is Mark Wahlberg, who's only on screen. He's only on screen for like 20 minutes, maybe, max. I would say it's like a max 20-minute performance. But dude, he makes every fucking second count. Sergeant Sean Dingman. And he's just, just a fucking hateful, vengeful asshole. But it turns out at the end of the movie, he's the one guy who sees through all the bullshit, through all the fucking lies, all the illusions. And it's just such a performance. It's just such an all-time. It's like Mark Wahlberg now just makes like CIA propaganda and like, you know, like cringe comedies. And, but this is the one role of his where it's like, man, you fucking did it. You fucking did it, man. So yeah, The Departed. Would recommend. 10 out of 10. Giving this movie a 10 out of 10. It just perfectly encapsulates what that that moment of like just the rise of the fucking snitch. <laughs> if you see something, say something. You know? It's just like that's who we were. We lost our confidence. We lost our soul. And it's just, I don't know, man. The brutality of the Nicholson character is like, yeah, there's the savage nature of the fucking American war machine, just like killing men, women, and children. And I don't know, it's just a really, there's so much you can draw from it. The way that De Niro and, uh, I'm sorry, yet again, DiCaprio and Damon are this like funhouse mirror version of each other. Alec Baldwin is also in the movie, which, yeah, these are big names. And Baldwin has sort of the mirror image character of Martin Sheen, where he's like this cokehead. He's also a police officer, but he's like this cokehead, career obsessed guy who like goes to the driving range and is all about networking. And like, I don't know, man. It's such a fucking movie. It's so well acted. It's so well done. But hey, go watch it for yourself on Netflix. The Departed. Something we touched we touched on earlier. Sigma males. You might have heard me say the word sigma male, the term. And maybe if you're a longtime listener, and, and if you are, kudos to you. I'm gonna go give you a kudos ba and some on slices and a mountain berry blast caprice on. And it's AYSO all over again. Okay? But if you're not a longtime listener, we've talked about sigma males on the program before. What is a sigma male? A sigma male is the tier of male above alpha male in the male hierarchy, which is, of course, grounded in perfectly legitimate, real, completely real science. That's not at all like something that like weird guys made up on YouTube that I stay up till three in the morning watching and maybe like, no, this is real science. And sigma male is the tier of male that hovers above the actual... Let me move my chair. I'm actually by myself in my fucking living room, drunk. This is great. So sigma male is the tier above alpha male. It means it's a male, because alphas are still important. Alphas make the world go round, right? But sigma mindset, sigma grind set, is the male who defies the alpha, defies the entire structure. You see through the mirage. You're playing 4D chess, right? You're getting DUIs in Camarillo, right? You're investing in Herbalife. You just bought a condominium in Las Vegas. Your girlfriend is Russian. You got a tattoo of a dream catcher on your calf, your right calf, which is big from all the bike riding you do. You're a Sigma male. And the Sigma male mindset, grind set, is something I've been uh, sort of preaching on the show. But maybe, folks, if you're a longtime listener, or if this is your first episode, and if that is, I'm sorry, because normally it's a lot funnier. Let me drink some water. I'm by myself. I have no one to deflect to. I have no backup. I'm alone, like a true Sigma male. The wolf knows the difference between being lonely 
stands alone. You hear that shit? The wolf knows the difference between being lonely and alone. Okay, just got a sip of water. Just a little sip, because I'm mostly drinking beer, because I'm a cool guy with sand in his truck. I'm a cool guy. Hey, have I seen The Departed? Yeah. <laughs> Couple times. Maybe like 17 times. Do I quote it arbitrarily when I'm like walking around or I'm like on the toilet, like struggling to like make a poo-poo? Yeah, I think I do. I think I qualify for cool guy status, Mr. President. So anyways, Sigma male mindset, grind set. Sorry, couple drinks. The Sigma mentality. Now see, the diff- what's the difference between mindset and mentality? This is probably a question a lot of you have had. You've seen me say mindset. You've heard me say mentality. What's the difference? In order to build a mentality... A person has to acquire numerous mindsets. You have to, now just think about this linguistically, phonetically. You have to set it up, as my good friend Eric would say. Set it up. And in order to set up a mentality, you have to have multiple mindsets. So you can have a sigma mindset, but that doesn't mean you have sigma mentality. You can have Neapolitan mindset, which we've talked about extensively on the show. Go back and listen to episode three, episode five. You can have Neapolitan mindset, which if you don't know is an ancient Italian uh, alchemy where you combine the three pillars of life. Love haters, fuck haters, hate haters, right? Love money, fuck money, make money, right? You basically do that. And, and Neapolitan's great, but it's a starter mindset. Let's be honest, folks. It's not hard. It's malleable. It's like a ball of clay. It can be shaped to whatever your life is. Fuck ceramics. Make ceramics. Love ceramics, right? You see the clay metaphor, how I doubled up on the metaphor? I mean, everyone I know has a fucking ceramicist now. Everyone I went to high school with either makes ceramics or is part of an evangelical church. Or is it fucking, or is like hot, you know? Why did everyone from high school get hot? That sucks, guys. Chill out. Slow it down, man. Why are you hot now? It's like too much, okay? Just watch The Departed. Just go watch The Departed. But being a Sigma male, being a Sigma Male, and of course, this is a gender-neutral term, right? But fellas, this is especially for you. But of course, ladies, you can be a Sigma female, no doubt. Tapping into that grind set, how do you do it? Well, have you taken out an irresponsible loan and bought a fucking Ford Mustang? Have you done that? Have you picked up vaping? Are you vaping Mountain Dew-flavored vape juice at the Deer Lodge? Do you have at least two friends named Ryan? Do you have two Ryans in your life? Uh, You know, these are basic entry-level things. And you need to acquire Sigma mindset. But the mentality, Sigma mentality, that's a whole other tier. That's tier zero. And maybe you're like, Sam, what is this tier zero you keep mentioning? Well, it's it's the tier above tier one. What's tier one? It's the tier above tier two, and so on and so forth. We're living in a hierarchy, okay? Jordan Peterson, I met him. I met him at a fucking Vons, and I was like, hey, what's up, doctor? And he said, you have to understand the the biblical significance of Lady and the Tramp. When the dogs eat the spaghetti and their lips touch... You can see the eyes of Moses. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense. I'm going to base my entire personality around the psychotic ramblings of a benzodiazepine-addicted Canadian uh, pseudoscientist. Hey, I'm going to buy a a yellow Hummer. Hey, I'm going to move to fucking Boise. Hey, I'm going to invest in Bitcoin. I'm going to be a cool guy who drinks beer in his underwear. Folks, folks, we've got to restore our soul of our nation. 
Jill and I were pleased to announce Juneteenth is a federal holiday. And sleep bug, I'd like to announce, folks. Folks, I'd like to announce I am leaving the Catholic Church and I'm joining the Nation of Islam, folks. Yaqub. Who is Yaqub? He's an Egyptian scientist who created white people. Folks, listen, I mean, you have Sleepy Joe, and you guys knew I was going to do this impression, right? Because this is what I do. I have nothing else to do. I do Trump, and it's very rudimentary. But, folks, the thing is, you have Sleepy Joe talking about your cub, and your cub is great. We love your cub. We have tremendous potential, we think, for your cub in the White House. But the thing is, you if you make white people, you invent them in a cave. If you do that with, with trichomagy, I mean, folks, what... Where's the ceiling, you know? Where's the ceiling? You have to have a ceiling. You can't fly too close to the sun. We have Icarus, whose wings melted. Icarus, poor Icarus. You cub. Um, if you're wondering what that is, the Nation of Islam, which is a... I don't know how I would describe the Nation of Islam. A kind of fringe religious political movement born in the you know, early 20th century, most famously led by Elijah Muhammad, and his sort of protege was uh, Malcolm X, who's far and away the most famous member of the group, but he later broke with the Nation of Islam towards the end of his life. Um, after going to Mecca, you know, taking a pilgrimage, he sort of broke away from their teachings, not all of them, but, you know, moved away from it. But it's a group based out of the Midwest, out of Chicago, that's, you know, like black nationalists. It's religious, but it's social, it's political. Uh, and they're led by a guy named Louis Farrakhan, who maybe you've heard of these days. And anyways, part of their doctrine teaches that an ancient Egyptian scientist named Yaqub created white people in his cave laboratory. And that we are, so if you ever hear someone call you a Yaqubian devil, it means that you're like a, you know, like a, a sort of evil science experiment um, abomination thing. It's part of their whole teaching. Um, so whatever. I'm pro-nation of Islam. You know, I'm pro-religious expression. I love people being themselves. I love Mormons, folks. I, love, I was thinking about this recently because I'm looking at places to move. I'm like, oh, I kind of sucks. You know, hold on. Ojai's not really the place for a guy like me these days. It's changed. Obviously, the big hats, sure. Everyone knows about the big hats. Everyone knows about the white Range Rovers. Everyone knows about the beautiful, like, 40-year-old women in the olive green uh, tracksuits and their hot husbands with their big biceps. And you go, you're like, I want to buy apricots, but now I have to go make mayo. Right? Everyone knows about that. But not everyone knows that our fucking lake is drying up and that it's not a sustainable place to live. Not everyone knows that Ojai is actually a fucking conspiracy. This is where, you folks, if you want me to start talking truth, if you want to start hearing what it sounds like when a man loses his, his fucking, his ability to, yeah, I know self-preservation because I have the data, I have the documents, I have flash drives full of intel. You think the bell tower is just some like nice little Spanish architecture that some crazy German rich asshole in the 1900s was like, oh, I've, I'm infatuated with Spanish. No, no, no. The bell tower is a fucking radar station built by the tall grays in the, mes the I almost said mesotheliomic, Mesopotamian. Are you or do you or a loved one have mesothelioma? I'm freaked out whenever I see those commercials because I did I was in the Navy and I did I did live in a shipyard. My first uh, my first assignment was the the a shipyard, so those commercials freaked me out. But during the Mesopotamian Empire, the Tall Greys built a, a space uh, a, a transistor radio, and it's the Belt Tower. That's just a big radio station, and it broadcasts. Um, Mostly like, you know, music and stuff, like spiritual sort of chants, like their version of Gregorian chants. Also their version of Weezer, Say It Ain't So. They play Say It Ain't So. Um, Buddy Holly. What's the other one? The Sweater Song. Hey, hey, look at this cool guy who drinks beer and listens to Weezer. I don't listen to Weezer. 
I do not listen to Weezer, but unless you like Weezer and you're like, oh my God, Sam, then, you know, DM me and, you know, whatever. Um, but folks, folks, we know that Ojai's on its way out, right? We, we see the writing on the wall. We get that. You know, I'm moving around a little bit right now. I'm moving in my chair a little bit. You want to hear it? My chair? I'm in a wicker chair. I'm in an old wicker. Hold up. You hear that? I'm in an old wicker chair. I'm sitting in my living room in my underwear. 1.16 p.m. But we know our town can't last. We know this is fleeting. We know it's it's almost kind of like, what's the point? You know, we should all just move to Iowa and just start a new Ohio in the middle of the cornfields. We should all just, we should all just um, start, you know, start getting on our mindset shit. I mean, if you don't have a mindset, if you don't have any mindset, see, I, you have the, a true, you know, I don't have mentality. Only the real greats, Martin Scorsese, the guy who made The Departed, The Departed. He's got a fucking mindset, folks. Kobe Bryant. Oh, I'm sorry, mentality. Jeez. Martin Scorsese mentality. Mamba mentality. Kobe Bryant. Britney Spears has mentality. You want a hot body? You want a Bugatti? You better work, bitch. Uh, toxic? Uh-oh, what the fuck? Britney Spears has mentality. Millard Fillmore. President of the United States. Has mentality had mentality. Zachary Taylor also had mentality. Um, Napoleon Bonaparte mentality. Uh, Beyonce has mentality. Allen Iverson has mentality. And if you're like, wow, Sam, this is weird. These are the people you look up to. Well, yeah, that's it. That's it. I want to be like half Beyonce, half Muammar Gaddafi. <laughs> That's what I want to people to be like. Yeah, he had a nice, you know, singing voice. He had a nice singing voice and, you know, great hair. But he also tried to do his best to nationalize his country's oil reserves. That's what I want people to say about me when I'm dead. So these are people with mentality, right? Pablo Picasso. Mentality. Mentality. Okay. But mindset. Now, about 80% of the human population doesn't have any mindset. So to get a mindset is good. If you have one mindset, you're doing good. But a true, if you're trying to acquire these mindsets, they're like Pokemon. You can have a bunch of mindsets and you cycle through them. Okay? So I'm not always Neapolitan mindset. That's one of my go-tos. Because I fucking eat that shit. Because it's my fucking favorite flavor of ice cream. Because it's three in one. Most bang for your buck. Okay, that's James Bean mindset that led me to the Neapolitan mindset. Who's James Bean? He's my father. Happy fucking Father's Day, Dad. He's not going to hear this. But I'm just saying, James Bean mindset. You know? Okay? It's the same reason I fucking watch cowboy movies on the TV and, like, listen to Bruce Springsteen and, like, have an irrational fucking fear of elevators because James Bean mindset. Okay? So what the fuck? Neapolitan mindset. I can cycle back and forth. I have fucking Wii Tennis mindset. I have fucking Nordoff Rangers mindset. Class 2014. You know what I mean? Why I'm intentional. I have Sam Bean mindset. That's my own mindset. Patented. You can have that mindset. I have Jeep Thatcher mindset. Cameron Atkinson mindset. Ben Cohen mindset. Russell Hugger mindset. Will Looker mindset. Because those are my boys. And we've shared mindsets. I can, I can use your mindset to activate another mindset. I can take the fucking pool ball and hit the other ball. I can be what I want to be as long as my being can be free. I can listen to Patti Smith. I can fly to France and get a sex change operation. If I wanted to, I probably should. I'd probably be happier. I think about that sometimes. I'm not even kidding. Okay, but how many mindsets 
does it take to build mentality? Well, there's no exact number because everyone's different. So if I'm on mindset, 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 mindset. Now, what's the difference between a mindset and a grind set, right? Good question. Thank you for asking. A mindset is like, boom, let's just use Neapolitan because you're probably the most familiar with that. I'm like, okay, I'm at Westridge. Fuck all this. There's a line. There's a line. I'm like, fuck this line. Nah, I love this line. All right, I'm going to get in line. And maybe you're like, that's pedestrian as fuck. Okay, here's another example. I'm in Abu Dhabi. There's fucking, I'm in a room that's just all aquarium. All the walls are aquariums. There's a pile of cocaine on a fucking table that it's like, it looks like someone dumped a whole bag of fucking flour on the table, but it's not flour. It's Peruvian nose candy. And I'm looking at this. I got a chic on the left of me. I got fucking Heidi from the hills to the right of me. My favorite character from the hills. I also like LC. I also like fucking Adriana. I like them all because I love that show because I grew up on it watching it with my best friend's sister. So, haha. So I'm sitting there looking at this coquina. I'm like, Heidi, are we going to be about this? We about to fucking write a musical together? And I'm like, love the cocaine, hate the cocaine, become the cocaine. And then I'm fucking millionaire mindset, you know, millionaire mindset, love money, hate money, become money. But what's the difference between that Neapolitan mindset applied to millionaire mindset, which millionaire mindset is like, I have millions of dollars. You just have to tell yourself that you have to tell people, you know, that you have to tell everyone you meet that I was at the DMV today, got my license renewed after two years. Cause a girl I knew was like, you need to do that. That's fucking stupid of you. And I was like, you're right. You're smart. You're European. I'll fucking get it renewed. Cause for two years I was like, I'm not going to renew this. This is dumb as fuck, but I did it. But I was at the DMV. I was like, hello, clerk, how are you? And they were like, don't call me clerk. I have a name. I'm a human being. And I was like, yeah, right. I have millions of dollars. And they're like, really? Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Give me my information. I went to the photo guy. I was like, hey, photo guy, I have millions of dollars. He's like, wow, dude, let's take your photo. Damn, I've never photographed a millionaire before. I was like, yeah, but you haven't, fucking nerd. That's millionaire mindset. It's just like telling people you have millions of dollars. Pretty simple. A billionaire mindset is a little harder. The earthworm mindset, which is like when you go and you get a bunch of mud and rub it all over yourself and you roll around in your front yard in mud and you pretend you're a worm. You can paint your body pink if you want. You know, it helps. But those are all mindsets. What's a grind set? My neck hurts. We got folks, I don't know how to fucking do this microphone shit. So I'm like hovering around. Let me just go back here. Hold on. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I think if I talk loud enough, hold on. I don't want to wake my brother up. Hold on. How is this? This isn't that loud. No, it isn't loud at all. Okay. So folks, if you have grind set, you've taken a mindset and you've leveled it up. So you put your own unique twist on a mindset and you've added a, a fucking pres- prestige. It's like Call of Duty. You've gone prestige. So I could have Neapolitan mindset. Sure. But do I have Neapolitan grind set? Have I taken it to the next level? Have I added my own unique flair to it? I think I have. I think I have. Do I have Sigma male mindset? Yes. Of course. Of course. That's why my life is so difficult. Because no one understands the wolf can be alone but not lonely. <laughs> the fucking... The cougar... Um, no, that's cougar's like an older lady who's like, you know, okay. What's another animal? Um... The Garibaldi fish can swim without a school, but still learn. The Garibaldi fish doesn't need a school to have knowledge. You see that shit? That's Sigma male mindset. It's just coming up with phrases like that and selling protein powder and moving to Las Vegas, which is what I'm going to do. I'm going to move to Las Vegas and my fucking... I have a suspicious mole on my back right now. I'm so white, dude. I'm so fucking white. It's that Irish bullshit. And honestly, folks, if I'm being honest with you guys, I think I've never done 23andMe or any of that shit. But I clung to the Irish-American thing growing up, like, big time because it was like, I was Catholic. My family was very Catholic. 
But it's like, yeah, that's part of it. But also, I wanted an identity. I wanted to be like, oh, yeah, I'm not just a white guy. Fucking got this shit. And that's part of my heritage. But there's like a lot of Austrian shit in my blood, too. I, I've heard that. My uncle Dave, who's a fucking lunatic, but he's like the patriarch of my dad's side, told me, he's like, yeah, we're actually fucking mostly Austrian. I could be like, I could be Irish Rachel Dolezal and not even fucking know it. I could be Austrian. I could be, I could be walking around as an Austrian American. The fuck is that about? Do I really want to be a guy who's like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm Austrian. I mean, I don't know. I've never been to Austria. Germany scares me. I have bad relations with German people. We always have those German kids at Nordoff. I would say things to them. I grew up watching the History Channel. I can't help it. I'm sorry, Germany. I know you did other good things. You made good cars. You have good roads. But also, you did that, you know, that thing. Remember that thing you guys did? 1930s, 1940s, when you went a little cray-cray. Remember that whole thing? Remember that whole thing? And then the U.S. government, at the end of that thing, basically absorbed all the fucking ideological architects of that thing into our society and built the, the post-war framework off of, you know, the ideas of Nazism and incorporated your scientists into our fucking DOD and our DARPA and helped invent, you know, bioweapons with Nazi technology and used those weapons to perpetuate, like, mass murder in Central America. I remember when that little thing happened, Germany, and you actually, it's like George Carlin said, Germany lost the Second World War, fascism won, kind of thing that happened, but I do like sauerkraut. I like the Nutcracker. He's German. You know, Christmas time. I love Christmas time, folks. I hope this show is still going during Christmas. It's hard, though, man. How many solo episodes can I do? Well, we have a special producer. We think we hired a guy to be our producer. He's going to come in in July. So, and then we'll have Ben. Uh, that's his name. Mm. If you heard that, I didn't say that. But we'll have Jeep. We'll have, um, obviously, Cameron, fan favorite Cameron Atkinson. And we'll get some guests on. Man, we got a lot of guests lined up. But anyways, if you have grind set. So I have Sigma male mindset. I have a mindset that I'm a Sigma male. But if a guy has Sigma male grind set, one, he can defeat me in battle. But two, he's now making his mindset work for him. That's what we call grind set. There's one thing to have a mindset. Are you making it work for you? It's one thing to own a piano. Are you playing it? Are you playing the piano? Are you impressing your friends with your piano playing abilities? Are you playing Piano Man? That's the only song you know? Is it a Christmas party? And do you play Piano Man? As everyone's going home, is it a beautiful moment? The fire is smoldering? Chestnuts? Morris Chestnut? Tay Diggs? BBC? Sorry? Uh, I mean, what the fuck, man? What do you think about? What is what is your mindset? But are your thoughts working for you, or are you working for your thoughts? That's the difference, folks. That's why when you invest in Herbalife, when you make the decision to become a partner in the Herbalife family, you're making the best decision a financially responsible young person can make. That's, folks... For a limited time, I will sell you bags of dehydrated mushroom shit for fucking $39 a piece. I don't know what Herbalife is all about. I don't really know anything anymore. I know that all politics, let's still love politics, right? This is Sammy politics. I'm the politics guy on the show. Talk about politics. Okay. Joe Biden sucks, right? Donald Trump sucks, right? The Republican Party is a collapsed, fucking atrophying, fucking geriatric fool. The Democratic Party is a self-obsessed, neurotic, you know, agoraphobic weirdo from Vermont. I mean, these two parties are just like functionally rotten, corrosive and corrupt. But what's interesting to me is sort of this this shift that I've seen the, over the last five, six years from all politics is culture now. All right, because you and I, the voter, the citizen, is impotent. Like Matt Damon in The Departed. There's a scene where he's like, my fucking his girlfriend's like, you know, it's hinted at that he, whatever, is having trouble with sex, but it's like because of all the stress of being a fucking living two lives and it's like destroying him emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically. 
it's like identity. Who am I? Who is God? Who are we? Are we just fucking pinholes in the blanket of night? Are we just pawns on God's chessboard? Are, are we even real? But anyways, since the voter is rendered impotent, meaning we don't have, we can't affect change. We can't fuck the system. We can't get it up hard enough to make the system come. Right? We're not going to change the fucking world. The wars are going to keep being waged in our names. The crimes being carried out by fucking faceless shadow men in our name. Children being murdered in our names. And we're fucking, our hands are, are, are tied to our fucking nine to five jobs and our, our materialistic goods. We're impotent. We're useless. We are sheep. I, this is, it's whatever, a little bit, a little bit uh, played out. But we are being led to the slaughter. So what we do to entertain ourselves as we're in the line for the fucking arbitrar is we say like, oh, hey, did you see that Ted Cruz did the Pledge of Allegiance? Oh, hey, did you see that AOC like ate a cliff bar and like said that cops weren't cool? Like, oh, hey, did you see that um, Obama wrote another book about himself? That's like seven books about himself. He's not even fucking 60 years old. A little weird. Um, that's all we have now. All politics is culture, and all culture is politics. Every movie, like The Departed, okay, at its face when I was in the fifth grade, and I first watched it when my dad wasn't there, and he came home that night, and I, I couldn't help myself. I was like, yo, that movie's fucking sick. And he was mad for like 10 minutes and he's like, all right, let's watch it again. Because <laughs> he fucking loves it too. Um, this is when he was still, you know, in Ohio. Obviously. Uh, he lives in Tennessee now or Alabama. He kind of goes back and forth. But, right. All politics is culture. All culture is politics. So movies like The Departed, I can look at it and like as now watching it as a 25-year-old, not a fifth grader. I can derive, oh, political meaning, oh, philosophical meaning. But you watch it as a fifth grader, you're like, oh, it's just a cool movie about gangsters who shoot each other and like, do drugs. And it's fucking cool. And they listen to the Rolling Stones and drive around and fucking do cool shit. But, you know, you, you're watching these archetypes, archetypes dance in the darkness, but you put your own meaning on it. But now the meaning is, it's we're spoon-fed the meaning in our movies. Uh, the Marvel movies are actually just SSRIs. Okay, these movies are literal just brain rot and they're just spoon feeding you fucking meaning and ideology. It's like, it's just such horse shit. All culture is just politics and all politics is just culture. It's one and the same. So we can argue to no end about whether or not Ted Cruz has a fat ass, you know, or whatever the fuck the cultural deal is. <clears throat> Excuse me. I should get some water. I'm out of water. Oh, I got a little left. Let me swig it here. Mmm. Tastes like water. But I guess the foundational sort of um, misnomer or the sort of, f let me say it this way, the fundamental misunderstanding is that by fucking tweeting, and I do this, I tweet about shit, by being engaged in some sort of discourse about, oh, fucking, did you see that Kamala Harris didn't support the troops? Or did you see that Tom Cotton, the senator from Arkansas, has a Blue Lives Matter sticker on his fucking, on his, like, on his binder or whatever, on his, on his pencil holder? This so, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't mean anything. The, the physical, practical, real conditions of your fucking life. You hear that? That's my heart beating. Those will never change. Your minimum wage won't be raised. Healthcare, go fuck yourself. You're going to die of an op opioid overdose in a 7-Eleven bathroom in Central Ohio, you piece of shit. That's what they're fucking telling us. You don't deserve to go see a doctor. You don't deserve to be paid a fucking dignifying wage. You can go home and feel like you fucking did something. And like you, like you mean something. And like people fucking value you. You don't get to be part of anything bigger than yourself. You don't get a church. American Christianity has been reduced to a fucking Ponzi scheme. 
especially Protestantism. But of course, these, these ideologues have been working to Protestantize the Catholic Church in the United States. So all these conservative maniacs and, and like, and like uh, thought leaders, if we we'll use that term, like J.D. Vance and fucking, uh, what's his name? The guy who writes for the New York Times, Ross Douthat, that fucking moron. This is why these people, I had a friend who was like reading his book. Uh, well, that guy's a fucking idiot. This is why these people convert to Catholicism, is to infiltrate our fucking culture. And to break, and this is why I saw this fucking thing with Biden, where it's like the archbishops are going to deny him communion. You don't deny anyone unless they've been specifically excommunicated. You don't have that fucking authority, dude. The Catholic Church, Catholic means universal. I'm not saying this as someone who's an ardent practitioner. I went to Mass in April. That was the first time I'd been in fucking over, over a year. And before that was the first time I'd been in five years. Okay? I'm not the archbishop of anything. I'm an idiot. I, I have so I, I'd have to do like a seven hour confession to like relieve my Catholic blue balls. Okay, I understand that. I'm not I'm not Pope anything. But our fucking church, Catholic, is derived from Catholicos, which is a Greek word, which means universal. We are the church of all people. No race, no religion, no nation fucking gets to determine what the church does. Filipinos, Croatians, Mexicans, the Irish, everyone, the Catholic is worldwide. And it's all the most lit countries. Let's be honest, Brazil? Hello? Okay, I'm just saying, right? It's all the party capitals of the world happen to be Catholic. Portugal, uh, Ibiza, Spain, Ibiza? Hello, it's me. Calling to you from a pizza. Have a blue pill. I'm going to take this pill here. But folks, folks, American Christianity has been fucking reduced to the worship of money, the worship of things. He figures like Joel Oystein, all these like weird, perverted, it's just psycho shit, dude. Before him, the Falwells, Jerry Falwell. What's the other guy? Um, the other fucking guy. They're all assholes. Televangelists. Fucking Walmart churches, you know what I mean? And they're trying to turn Catholicism in America into that, but we're not that. The fucking root, the foundation of our, and I'm saying our very broadly here because I don't practice, I'm not in particularly good standing with my sacraments, but it's part of my heritage, it's part of my culture. And our foundational undercurrent is that of charity, is that of generosity, is that of fellowship and family, universality, right? The name. So it's welcoming the stranger. It's not denying anyone. It's not saying no to these fucking people. It's if you need help, you get help. You're my brother. You're my sister. I don't care what the fuck you look like or where you're from or what language, what tongue you speak. You're a Catholic, then you're my fucking family. You know? It's heritage. It's culture. And we're allowing these fucking psychos to infiltrate the movement and try to steer it in a different way. That's not what it is. We need to be looking towards Rome, not towards Wall Street. But whatever. This is life in America. There's no fucking church of value. All avenues of the church have been co-opted by fucking the war machine, by Wall Street yet again. You know, there's nothing. There's nothing but your fucking thankless job and your fucking empty life. That's it. That's what they've created for us. So we spend our time arguing about nonsense online as if it does something. As if throwing our shit on a wall will do anything. It's horrifying. It's a horrifying state of affairs. I don't know what to do about it. I don't have this solution, folks. I guess I'll just implore you to love your fucking family, to love your fucking friends, and maybe the people in your life that you don't get along with. I have those people too. And I'm that person for a lot of people. They're like, that idiot, that dumbass, that guy with the bad skin and the weird face. But I love them. And I hope that they can love me. Doesn't mean that, like, oh, hey, bro, I love you, bro. It's all Pete. No, I just like, I love you enough to know you're a person and I don't fucking need to hate you. Go around, drive around, do your thing, you know? And I'll do mine. Right? I'll watch the Keeping Up with the Kardashians and a reunion hosted by Andy Cohen. I'll watch that. I'll be that guy, you know? Oh. 
think I'm winding down, folks. It's 1.40 a.m. I haven't been sleeping good. Going to the VA and pleading for help. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Dude, could you imagine if I signed off like that? No, Um. let's do a happy little ending here, okay? Yeah, man, watch The Departed. It's on Netflix. It's a great movie. I love it. It's It's so many good things to say about it. Be kind to your family. Be kind to your friends. Um, you know, you're, you, you matter. You're important if you're listening, if you've made, you know, you are a good person. Even if you've done horrible things, you have infinite potential for good. Whether or not you believe anything I've said, it doesn't matter because it's true. All right, if you're a Sigma male, you're a Sigma male. You walk that walk, you know, you go buy that big league chew, you put it in your mouth and you chew it and you fucking do it. You chew it and do it. You put on Huey Lewis in the news. Uh, the heart of rock and roll is to beat them. Or what's the other one? You have to be square, but um, the other one. Whatever. Oh, hot loving every night. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun. She's got it all. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. You put on that song, Heart and Soul by Hugh Lewis and News. You chew that big league chew. And you fucking, you go to the fucking Sarasota Park and do some push-ups. Or, I don't know. Folks, listen, I'm drunk. I've been drunk for a minute now. I'm going to go to sleep. I drink some water so I don't wake up hungover because I have to go do stuff tomorrow. I have to go drive to Oxnard, I think. I don't know. The point of the 805 and Revolt is to just give you guys, if you're from here or if you just live here and you're like, fuck this place, fuck these stupid fucking people in their big hats, and they have their own podcasts now. They have their own propaganda bullshit. The point of our show is to be like, hey, there's fucking people from here providing a counter-narrative. It's not just fucking they who shall not be named. It's not just the other people. It's just the fucking, there's also people from here who are trying to put something out there. And maybe it sucks, but at least it's there. You can interface with it. You know, you can check in with me. And I fucking care about you. I'm the guy, DM me on Instagram, DM at 805 and revolt. Uh, link in our bio goes to uh, my, we just launched a blog. I launched a blog newsletter, stories, things. I'm going to be publishing chapters for my uh, forthcoming novel on there. I'm writing, I've been writing a novel for a while. I'm going to be publishing like previews, chapters and stuff. So hopefully you can interact with that if you have time, if you want to read something. And just come be a part of this movement, man. Just, just like, just like be part of something. You know, and I want you to know that you matter, you're special. The Departed is a good movie. It's probably the best movie you'll ever watch in your entire life. So go watch The Departed. The Departed. And now here, yeah, I'm going to fucking tell you. My father went to Fenway Park. You know, tell you something about Fenway Park. I tell you something about the fucking Boston Marathon bombing. If I had been there, I would have gone down differently. And Reese Witherspoon in fear. In the year 2000, I was in a fucking movie. Me and Reese Witherspoon, a fucking roller coaster. I was like, yo, don't you fucking mind if I fucking finger bob you? And then she was like, yeah, you'll be a fucking boyfriend, but my father won't like you. But you and my father are going to fight. And I'm going to end up fucking stabbing you in the fucking back with a knife. And you're fucking Mark Wahlberg. It's like Fatal Attraction, but the movie's called Fear. It's from the year 2000. Anyway, go fucking Celtics, go fucking Bruins, go Pats, of course, Jesus, God, I'd be remiss if I forgot the fucking Pats. What's the other team? I fucking, uh, Bruins, Pats, Sox, gee, I don't fucking know Celtics.